Amen. Well, thank you, Jason. And it's beautiful to uh, pray to God and kind of read scripture and, and have prayers built into that. And that last song was, was more of a prayer than a scripture to me. It was, you know, God help me, help my unbelief, help me to connect to you. And um, so I'm excited to, uh, to be here with all of you today. See where the clicker went. Oh, here it is. Um, but obviously this weekend we do want to uh, honor Martin Luther King, uh, his birthday that we celebrate tomorrow. And I love this quote that my wife found. I will give her credit there. Life's most persistent and urgent question, what are you doing for others? And what am I doing for others? And I love that he lived his life that way and set that example for all of us. And uh, it made me think about when we went to Nashville a while back that they actually went into training so that they wouldn't respond violently so that they would respond nonviolently. They actually went to like retreats and camps and it felt like they were going to like boot camp to not fight, you know, and it was just like, wow, they, they were so, uh, I was admired, I admired their commitment uh, to nonviolence and to laying down their lives for something that they believe in. I think that's something that we can all uh, learn from. And so today, uh, we're, we're kind of jumping back for the next five, four weeks. We're going to be going back to our Emotionally Healthy Relationship uh, book here. And today is called Listening Well. And so when I saw that this was my title, my, what do you think my response was? I was like, oh man. God has a sense of humor, listening well, you know. And I asked the Kids Kingdom teachers, like, who is a good listener? And guess how many hands went up? None. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a lot of pressure if you say, hey, I'm a good listener. You know, you can't ever forget anything. That's not what we mean by a good listener. Barry's pointing to his wife, good man. Uh, is a good, she's a good listener. And, uh, uh, I do want to, uh, as we get started here, apologize to you guys online. Last week, the camera didn't work, so you were looking for us, and we weren't there. But it wasn't Richard or Josh's fault. They actually replaced the broken uh, whatever it was, and now it works hopefully today. So hello again. Um, and just a, another reminder for us that in two weeks, we're going to be in Riverside. So I know we've announced it a few times, but... It's like when you announce it, it seems like it's way off, and then you're like, oh, two weeks from now. So you can start making plans for that. Um, and we're excited to have uh, Jason uh, preaching for us here, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so I, what we're going to do today, we're going to share a little bit. Danielle and I are going to share a little bit about our uh, most recent uh, trip that we went to Indianapolis for our master's program, and we got to learn a lot the whole uh, it's kicked off a class that we're doing called on hospitality and really hospitality as leadership. So everything we were doing was about uh, welcoming others, about being hosted by others, about what God is doing, how to love uh, in, a, in a greater way. And some of what we've been learning, uh, kind of the theology behind it was was pretty deep there. So a couple of the Two nuggets. We just try to share what we learn before we forget it, and hopefully it, it reminds us a little bit more. Um, but one of the um, th- this probably doesn't sound like a deep thing to you, but one of the things that hit me was the 
the, the fact that the Bible says that God is love. Okay, that wasn't maybe revolutionary. But that if you think about when you love someone, you, you, you want to love, but you also have a need to be loved. And so that was kind of the deep part for me that God, he is love. That means he gives love, but he also needs love. And that his love has been eternally met in the Trinity with the Spirit and the Son. And so that God was love and he was, they, so he wasn't needy because his needs were already met, but it kind of connected with me that, you know, God created us like we would maybe want to have a child because he wants to love us, but he also has a need, if you would say that, to be loved by us. So kind of that idea that God, it sounds weird to say, but God wants my love. Like he wants to be with you. He, he needs you in that same way. And picture a family member when they go off, there's that kind of longing. And that's the same way that God feels about us because that's how he is. So to me, that was a, a deep thing to help me to connect with God and his love for me. That it, I'm not just like loving him all the time, but he wants to love me too. And so, and then the second thing that was deep, I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, as I was uh, confessing my uh, sin at some level, I was, I said something to the effect of, after you prayed for so long, you realize that God has everything all figured out, so why would I pray anyway? And I've actually had days where I'm just like, God, I don't even need to pray to you about that. You know, you, you're going to do whatever you're going to do, and I'm good with that. You ever, maybe you don't remember, but that's what I shared. And, and so at our, our time, there was something that stood out to me where they said that God is alive, which is not real revolutionary, and he's always changing, which was kind of revolutionary, to think that God is always doing a new thing. That it's not like he just created the world and then he never created again. Like that, God is creative, so he's always creating a new thing. And so the idea that his plan, his will, his whatever can be changed, as we see in the scriptures when Jesus' mom interrupted him and said, hey, and he's like, it's not my time, but okay, let's do it anyway. Or someone cried out to him on the road and he wasn't, going to heal that person, but because they interrupted, he, they, he did. And so that helped me to realize, you know, since God is changing, then my prayers really do matter. And I shouldn't just say, God, you have it all figured out. I don't want to pray because he responds to our prayers and that we make a difference that he, in his love and creativity, changes based on your prayers. And that was another big revolutionary uh, thing and it was I had to smile when the professor said that because of what I said a couple weeks ago so I take that back um, and so uh, you know it's amazing when we're honest with our struggles then God steps in right just as we are singing Lord help me overcome my unbelief sometimes we're at church we want to not talk about our unbelief we want to talk about our belief and that's a good thing. That's encouraging. But also, it's good to let people know about our unbelief so that when God steps in, we can recognize, hey, I just talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Thank you, God, for stepping into my 
prayer life and helping it to change in that way. So we we spent two days with an author of the, a book called Unclean. I don't know if you've heard of that book. It's kind of going around Christian circles. But it, he was talking about this idea of disgust and how that fits into our hospitality because it's kind of like embrace and disgust. And so he used this analogy that I will use um, just so you'll remember this point. Um, but he used the idea of if I just said, okay, right now everybody just swallow your own like spittle. Right? That's no big deal, right? We do that all the time. But then what if I gave everybody in here a Dixie cup and I had you spit into the cup and then I said, drink your own spittle that you just put into the cup. You know, there's kind of a difference there, right? How many, that wouldn't be... How, I won't ask how many people would do that, but it's kind of like that is what disgust is. And a lot of the food laws and the, the purity laws that were in the Old Testament, it kind of took on this level of disgust. And so something that we don't think about, like spit, when she put it in a cup, it becomes disgusting. And there's kind of this idea that we want to get away from that. There's a pushing away And the idea of hospitality is an embrace. And so what he's talking about uh, in his book there is that this thing that started out with food and purity laws has been now, it can be transferred onto people. And we're going to read about one of them later today, Peter, with the, uh, the unclean foods. When it came down, he had a disgust of like, get that away from me. I've never eaten that. That's unclean. And he realized that God wasn't talking about food, but about people. And God wanted to keep his people pure throughout the Bible, so they wanted them to marry just within the faith and everything. And so that's how it started. But the idea, the Gentiles and Jews became a disgust. Where not only did they try to keep pure, but they pushed each other away. There was kind of a hatred there. That God had to break down in order to bring Cornelius and Peter together. And so it just was interesting to think about our responses. And there may be certain people that we respond to, not just that we don't care to be around them, but there's like a real pushing away. And maybe that has to do with someone that's in a certain sin. Maybe they're, with, with, they're involved in a sin that, used to, that caused a lot of pain in our life, and so we just push them away. Or maybe it's a sin that we would look at and consider disgusting, and so we cease to see the God in that person where we want to just get away. And I think the idea to kind of break those things down um, so that we can uh, be, be hospitable for God, and we can be a church that's hospitable. So that was kind of a little bit... Uh, about him, but it was just fun. He told a lot of great stories, which I won't bore you with. Um, and we we met on this this house here, which Danielle's going to talk about. Their church that we stayed at, they own like a, all these homes on a street. So she'll she'll tell you more about that. Um, this was kind of uh, a famous um, drawing here uh, about the the three visitors to Abraham and kind of that idea of hospitality that Abraham was hosting God, you know, in that time. And so it was pretty cool to to talk about that and just how from the very beginning, hospitality was a part of our faith. 
And the reason that, you know, God even chose Abraham, a lot of people feel like because he was so hospitable uh, and uh, et cetera. Um, then another, I guess I will tell one story. There, this is a, uh, an art, uh, piece of art there where it's, G, it's a homeless person on a bench and it's supposed to be Jesus. And kind of the idea of Matthew 25, whenever you've welcomed one of these, you've welcomed me. And kind of the irony that this was placed in a park in a certain city and someone at the Christian church nearby called the police to report a homeless person in the park. And so the very thing that the is trying to highlight, it was kind of like there was a disgust there for, hey, this person is in our area. This is, And they came and told them it was a statue and... Uh, I'm sure that was pretty uh, convicting um, for that uh, person here. So um, I'm going to I'm going to let Danielle come up here. I, I don't want to go too much on th- we, this. Was one of the books that we another book that we read about this church. This guy in the middle, his name is Diamon, and what struck me about him and his team was that they were very. There were people that were overlooked that God ended up using. You know, he was a single dad raising his, or not single, he was a stay-at-home dad. His wife was working. He was watching the kids. And the church hired him for not a lot of money, but they hired him to go around the neighborhood and find people's gifts and notice people's gifts and try to help them use their gifts. And, And it was kind of the idea that, they lived in a poor, what we would consider a poor neighborhood, and instead of seeing the neighborhood as poor, he saw the neighborhood as rich because he found people's gifts and people's talents. And one of his uh, sayings there was that we don't want to do for people what they can do for themselves. We want to help them do for themselves. And so he would find people, find their gifts, get people connected and I thought that was just such an interesting way to look at people that they're not defined by what they don't have. They're defined by what they have. And how does that affect hospitality? Well, if we see people that we might say, hey, those, they're poor, what do they need? They need food or they need rent or something. But we can lose that they're people that have gifts. And they have a lot to give and they have strengths that we might not have. And if we just see poor, we don't see the person of God. And that impedes our hospitality, that impedes our love for the person. And so two questions that he would ask people is, what are three things that you can teach someone else? And what brings you joy? And trying to find, you know, and those are just great questions for us to ask each other or people that we're around is, hey, I want to see what what God has given you. What has God done and what has he given you that you can give to others and what gives you joy? And and now Danielle's going to share a little bit about the church that we visited, another church that we visited. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was really neat even as today's topic in the chapter is um, listening well, that his title, Diamond's title, was The Roving Listener. And it was really cool. We read the book, 
the minister he worked with wrote called Having Nothing and Possessing Everything and got to see the church that they were a part of where, and also we went to this other food hall where they were had taken people from that neighborhood and allowed them to open little restaurant kiosks as a way to really, they had incredible gifts of cooking, all these different ethnic, ethnic foods, and we just had like the best meal there, but it was just neat to see this dream of using people's gifts. But um, this picture, we got to stay with the Inglewood Christian Church, and that's what I'm going to share about a little bit more. Um, and that was their staff. I'll just go back one. Um, well, that was their staff that we met with that you saw in that other picture. This is a picture of their church, and it's not the best picture, but they have this really big piece of property. And what we were learning about from them was hospitality, but basically their mission is very much connected to how to be a good neighbor. And they feel like the greatest commandment, love God and love your neighbor. And so they are passionate about that. And so the little story of this church was it started in 1896 uh, um, in this neighborhood. And then as what's happened in many cities in the 1950s when the suburbs happened and the GI Bill, people moved out of the city. And so the neighborhood around the church became like when we were there now, there's so many abandoned homes, just boarded up homes. And then you'll see one, this neighborhood's being flipped. And um, and so what this church decided to do was to be passionate about, because at one time none of their members lived in their neighborhood. They all lived outside. They decided to get passionate about living in their neighborhood. So all the members started moving back, and they started helping each other fix up houses And they purchased that building, that three-story building you see on the left. And that had been a school that became abandoned. And they turned it into apartments that their members lived in and also that community members could live in at an affordable rate. And so what they started doing was buying, uh, oh, this is their property, uh, part of the church building, and they have a daycare that, their whole thing is really trying to keep their neighborhood affordable for people that so they don't have to move out and that not too many people come in and flip the houses where the neighbors can't afford it anymore. And so you can't really see, but in the very middle of the picture, they own this house as part of their church, and they let us stay there. So it's a five-bedroom, older house. They call it their hospitality house, and they let all of our classmates stay there for only $10 a night a person. It was amazing. But then they also, that green building is an infant child care center, again, that's really affordable. And then, so they bought a vacant lot. This is some of what they've built, these apartments here um, for affordable housing. This is just right in the same, everything is in the same neighborhood. They felt like seniors were being pushed out of their neighborhoods, so they with grant money, they've purchased this, and it's like 60 apartments for seniors. Um, and then this um, this actually was a company, I think it's called Sawyer, that was around an industrial company that the Duracell battery was patented in this building. But it had been um, abandoned for like over 50 years. So with Purdue University, they've turned this into a technical middle school and high school 
that, again, they're trying to have the neighbors that live in the community get to go to these decent schools. And um, But then, like, this is right across the street from the school. You see empty lots and, like, this old boarded-up restaurant and things. So um, then this was one lot. This is right near their church that they purchased. They purchased two lots for only, um, was it? 15,000. It was like really inexpensive. Um, but they built this little restaurant for one of the neighbors to start. Um, and apparently it's just a phenomenal restaurant. We, it wasn't open when we were there, unfortunately. And then this was another um, building right next to the church where they've put in this after school program to really try and help the kids in the neighborhood do well. But I think it was just really inspiring for me to um, you know, obviously, I don't think we're going to start buying all the buildings around our neighborhood, but this whole idea um, of how to be a good neighbor, I, I think we got to worship with their church. They're part of the restoration movement. We worship with them on Sunday, and there was such an energy. Their church is just a little bit bigger than ours, but there was such an energy, and there is an excitement of that they were part of something really great. And um, I loved worshiping with them, and it just inspired me even when we get a sense of what great thing we're a part of, of what we can do for God. And I'm really excited that this year we're going to be focusing a lot on the Holy Spirit. I think that's an area of our faith we haven't focused a lot on. But I think a part of that is we are really excited to really have the Spirit lead us in our church into what is the mission God has for us? How can we be better neighbors? What does God want from us in this season of our church? And so it was excited, exciting just to be with people that were really dreaming and really using their gifts to, um, to love their neighbors. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, oh, oh. Awesome. Thank you, honey. Um, you know, and I think just the idea of, the, as Danielle was saying, we're, we're, we're really trying to listen to God. What is he, where is he leading us? What, what is he going to put on our hearts for this year? And that's kind of fits with this. And I was uh, encouraged that the guy was a roving listener because he was just looking for God wherever he went. And I think that idea of us really looking for God to lead us wherever we go and that his spirit is a spirit of abundance. That it's not what we don't have because through Christ we have everything. And kind of seeing it that way and seeing it with that kind of faith. And honestly, it was, I know there was a lot of people that were involved, but it was basically four people. They had a realtor. They had a property manager. They had a uh, a guy who wrote write books and was able to kind of like expound, write all their ideas down and be able to get their ideas out there. And then they had um, like someone to manage the money. You know, it was just like, I, I just was picturing like, it's just like four of us that just had these skills and they pulled together like $20,000 for their first house and they didn't really know what they were doing. And then all of a sudden the, they got the building next door, and then then the city started approaching them to do these projects. They're like, "Hey, we want to do this project. Will you manage it?" And you know, so it was just it wasn't like that because when we 
saw them at that point, you go, man, they're they're like they're out of our league. I mean, they're just they're doing this amazing stuff. But it really just started out a few people that wanted to do something and use their gifts for God, and He just kind of expanded that. And so that that was kind of a takeaway for me for us is that. You know, God wants us to be creative and think about how he can work. And, you know, this wasn't even on my radar, right? Because we're just thinking about, hey, how can we help people know God? And maybe they'll get baptized and they'll raise a family. And their idea was we don't want to just serve the poor. We want to end poverty in our neighborhood. And so it was just through that dream that God started answering. So uh, let's let's listen well. And you never know what God's going to do with us, where we're going to be in the Desert Cities Church in a hundred years when none of us are here, which is what it was like for that church. You know, that God has a long history plan uh, for his people wherever they are. So let's let's uh, say a prayer and then we'll get into a little bit of listening well. Uh, Father, we do uh, just thank you for all the good work that you're doing around the world. God, thank you for the inspiration that can help us to be creative and to dream for you. God, thank you that uh, you're a God of abundance. God, that you're a giver of good gifts. God, help us to see that uh, in one another, in ourselves, in the community, God, in the people that we're around, that we can really uh, be those roving listeners ourselves that are listening for the Spirit and listening for you. Uh, God, help us to... uh, Give our hearts to uh, the rest of this time and be good listeners and listen to you well in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we are going to, today we're going to talk about, like I said, listening. And we're going to look a little bit about Jesus and Peter and Cornelius. And it made me, as we're getting back into the Emotionally Healthy series for a few weeks, did I tell you that already? Okay, okay. It made me wonder... Just remember, like, why did we start this? Because we did it about a year ago, and now we're back to it. And and I was even thinking, you know, why are we doing this? You know, what what about this? And it, I, it all came back to me that the more we're able to grow and mature, the more we're able to love. The more we're able to love, our fellowship becomes a testimony to the world. Why? Because we said so? No, because Jesus said so. He says, love one another so that the world may see me. We all know that passage. And in order to do that, we have to be committed to following Christ. We need to make him the Lord of our lives. That's the first thing that they said, an emotionally healthy church, you know, to spend time with him, to give ourselves to him. We need to be able to grow in how we deal with our emotions, that our emotions can serve us and we can learn how to grow in our self-control, that we can work through our our past, that we don't want to just be a church that just brushes everything under the rug, that, okay, we become a Christian and everything that happened to us doesn't matter. No, we, we want to deal with things. We want to be honest. We want to grow. We want to be vulnerable and, and be able to be a place where people can trust where we can have that connection with one another. And we have that in such a great way. I love even as we were serving at the Galilee Center, somebody just, I think it was Steve, just said, hey, serving together, you just get connected. 
even more than whatever bags you're doing or whatever you're trying to do. You just you're connected when you're united in a, in a common task. And some of us, we, we try to do everything. And so God wants us to be able to be still and not do everything. To have some limits in our lives where we have a balanced life. To, to deal with grieving and loss and, and live with integrity. And, and part of this is listening well. And I pray that as we learn to listen, that that affects our relationships. That we let God work on us. And I, I put this together more so you can take a picture of it. Because it's a good reminder, even reading through these things of having self-control and being people that are refuges for people, that we're, we're safety. When people come with us, they can let their guard down. To live with integrity, to, to have only wholesome talk that builds others up comes out of our minds. It's just good to be reminded of what we say and what we post and who we are, that to have that idea that we can encourage each other by what we do, that we have that impact, that we don't need... You know, one of the questions that the book always asks is, I don't feel the need to judge everyone. You know, and that's a, that's a good question. You know, that's a good attitude that I don't have to be the one that puts everybody in boxes, that I can just let God do that. That I can focus on loving and not judging. That I can work on my own, the plank in my own eye. You know, and, and be, and I think in so many ways we are, but to be a church of integrity. That people don't see one person here and one person there. That they could just see, hey, we're real. We're not perfect, but we love Christ and we're trying to, like Rhonda said, be better. Um, and that love matters. And I think being right is not the only thing that matters, but loving well is what ultimately Jesus said matters just as much. Spirit of grace and truth. And so I just have a couple points for us today. Number one is listening well means loving like Jesus. And just to think about for a minute, Jesus coming down to earth to be with people. to What it would be like to be with Christ. To sit with him. Whatever you're feeling, if, if Jesus was in front of you, it probably just it would melt away. Or, or that comf- confidence and comfort that we would feel with Christ. And I'm going to read this passage as we uh, think about him coming down to the world. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That Jesus came to connect our two worlds together so that we could see God and that we can be seen by him. And if you could imagine the comfort and the safety and the riches and the security that he felt in heaven in this like eternal fellowship with the Father and the Spirit, And that he decided to leave all that to come down and live the life he lived. 
And how different it would have been if he would have come down to be the conquering king that everyone thought. He would have probably been unapproachable to most of us. But he came down to be the lowest of the low as an example because we needed it, but also to show us who God is, that he's, he's humble, that he's simple, that he loves well. And even now for us to realize, to listen to others, that means we have to, we put ourselves, we take ourselves out of our comfort to be with people. Even at church, we can kind of hang out with the same people and we talk to our friends and what if God wants us to meet someone new today or be a place, be a listening ear for someone else to show love to more people, to be who we've all been. This is more of a reminder for most of us. You know, I, I find that when Jesus went into a place that he would notice the people that no one else noticed. That he would find that person. It's like he'd be in a crowd and all of a sudden he'd be talking to one person. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a crowd, it's like so overwhelming that it's just like, oh man, what, what do I do? And Jesus just reached out to the person that was right in front of him. And I think that idea for us in listening well means we need to find people to listen to. Look for those that need to be listened to and be, be willing to leave our comfort zone to be with them and to be able to step away from our, whatever it is, our entertainment. And I'm speaking to myself as I say this. It says he was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or the will or the flesh of, or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we seen his glory, the glory of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. And to imagine Jesus walking with his disciples and being with them and I love the picture of him hanging out with them at a wedding, just being present. And so much of listening for us is to simply be present with people. Not to be thinking about what we're going to say, not to be thinking about our response, but to be there, to listen. The, the entire field of psychology has figured this out, that when you listen to people, they get better. And when you listen to people with God, they really get better because we have a power of the Spirit within us. One of the things that I wanted to share that stood out to me as we're kind of listening to God this year was uh, a woman that uh, Rhonda mentioned, Lupe, her story as she shared about the history of the Galilee Center and Martha and, I mean, uh, Claudia and uh, Gloria, they started Martha's Kitchen. And then it became like huge. And they were doing all administration and they decided, hey, we don't want to do administration. We want to be with people. So kind of that sacrifice to be with others. But they didn't know what they wanted to do. And she said it kind of in passing. She just said they were just praying like Jesus 
said to the disciples, hey, go wait for me in Galilee. And that became their prayer. That's why they called it the Galilee Center, because they were just waiting on God. Like, God, what do you want us to do? They retired, and then they felt like, hey, we're not done. We're not done yet. And they started meeting out of somebody. They started handing out uh, food out of somebody's house, and then a parking lot, and then they found this place, and and now they have like 86 employees, and they're they're adding on, and they're they're they started they're sort of farm workers and people that asylum seekers that are legally coming into the country, and they're they're just sharing all these stories, and I was like, wow, that all started with two women that just said, hey. God, what do you want us to do? And it, it, it just was a kind of a testimony to God's power and to second chances. And the woman that uh, Rhonda was talking about was just sharing about her over struggling with addiction for a lot of her life. Just recently going to AA and and she's really like the third in charge. She's like running this whole place. And I was like, wow, how many of us, how how many, would I have noticed her? Would I have seen that God has given her all these gifts and talents? Probably not. But God doesn't overlook people. Praise Praise God for that. But that, to me, that's what it means to listen well, is that we see what people can be. And so many of you are testimonies to that. My second point is listening well leads to salvation. And this is where I want to talk a little bit about Peter and Cornelius. Because they were both listening to God, and they were also listening to one another. If they weren't doing either one of those things, it never, this never would have happened. And the way God did it was pretty awesome. It says about, in Acts chapter 10, verse 9, it said, About noon the next day they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven open and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. And this is quite a different kind of quiet time that he's out here having this experience. And I think if something like that happened to me, I would probably question it. Like, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I dreamed this or this was kind of weird. Imagine coming into the church, our church and saying, I have good news. I want to tell you about it. I was out on the roof praying and I had this dream and there was all these unclean animals coming down. And then I, I said, I'll never do that. And then there was a voice that talked to me and said that now it's okay, that nothing is unclean. I mean, how would that go? And these are the people that they profane. Remember the little spit thing? That's how they felt about these people and... He's like, no, God is telling me that those people are not unclean. They're, they're actually my children, too. And that he was open to God changing his views and opening them up to new things. And if he wasn't, then this whole story would have ended. 
Okay, and so that that was very uh, pretty cool. Here's a picture of them, supposedly when they meet, or uh, artist rendition. And then Acts, I'm going to read a little bit in Acts 10. It says, so Peter, when once Cornelius sent the people, he said he invited them up and gave them lodging, hence hospitality. The next day he got up and went with them, and some of the believers from Joppa accompanied him. The following day they came to Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and close friends. On Peter's arrival, Cornelius met him and falling at his feet, worshipped him. Peter got, made him get up and saying, stand up, I'm only a mortal. As he talked to them, he went in and found that many had assembled. And he said to them, you yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate or to visit with the Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Now may I ask why you sent me? Okay, so he opens himself up and and explains, you know, what's going on. And you can imagine, or one thing to think about is that this whole encounter started not with Peter, but with the other person, with Cornelius. Sometimes we feel like for change to come, it has to start in here. God started the change out there and brought it to an open person in here. So not only is God looking for open people out there, but he's also looking for open people in here. And that's why when salvation came to Cornelius, in a way, it kind of came to Peter, too. Because now he's able to love like Jesus, where he previously wasn't. And so God was working through both of them, not just so that Cornelius could get baptized, but so that other hearts can be changed. So that was just cool to think about uh, things in a bit of a different way. It says, Cornelius replied, four days ago at this very hour at three o'clock, I was praying in my house when suddenly a man in dazzling clothes stood before me. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa to ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying at the home of Simon, a tanner by the sea. Therefore, I sent for you immediately and you have been kind enough to come. So now all of us are here in your in the presence of God to listen to all that the Lord has commanded you to say. And as I'm sure as Peter was there, his heart was probably melting to see like, wow, God noticed this man and heard his prayers. God noticed his heart for the poor. And it kind of made me think of Lupe when we were there yesterday, like we were noticing their prayers and we were noticing their heart. And then when he said, we brought everybody here because we wanted to hear what you had to say. You know, just that humility of like, hey, God, God has a message for us. Let's all come hear it. Let's all hear what God has to say. And I know that that's there's people out there with that spirit that are looking for God, that want to treat his words with, with reverence and awe, like Cornelius did. And sometimes we don't think about it. We don't see that. We, we focus on the, the, what's not there rather than what's there. Kind of the same way that we can see the poor and not the gifts. We can see the, the discouragement and not the promises of God, to use the words of our brother Ken from earlier. So three... 
three, I call them challenges. I call them things to think about for the week, whatever you want to call it. Be hospitable. There's something special that happens around a table. Whether it's your table, whether it's someone else's table, don't just try to have other people to your table, but be open for God providing hospitality for you. Look for those places that welcome you as well. Um, number two, strive to embrace or include. You know, I mentioned that earlier. Kind of look around, see who's not included and try to include them. Think of it in our own lives, like who are people that I don't hang out with? And pray that God gives me opportunity to do that. What are some ways that I can break down my own barriers so that I can love better? I would come to bet that Peter was not the only one that was averse to certain people. Just a guess. Right? That probably all of us, there's people that we like to hang out with, and there's people that we would rather not hang out with, and there's people that we're averse to. Maybe they're, you know, like I mentioned before, but pray that God will continue to help us to embrace. And then listen well. Listen to God. And listen to each other. As we take our communion today, um, I want us to think about our community as we do it. That uh, communion, a lot of times, is it can be about us and God, right? We want examine ourselves, think about what we need to repent of, be grateful to God, all that stuff. That, that's all good stuff. But really, communion is a celebration of this community that we have. Right? It's not just between us and God, but also think about who are people that I am not connected with in here. What are some relationships that need to be healed? Am I, you know, what are the recon- or, or, or reconciliations that need to happen? So don't, I mean, you can think about your, yourself and God, but also think about your relationships and your community in God because they took communion around a table. They hung out with everybody. So I think it was more than just themselves. So I'm going to finish out here, and then we're going to uh, take our communion together. Says then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right will be acceptable to Him. You know the message that was sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How we went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him to a tree. And at some point as he was speaking, the Holy Spirit came down on everyone and they were... Blown away that the Spirit came down on the Gentiles, too. That they learned that listening well means loving well, loving like Christ. 
And listening well also leads to salvation for them, but also for themselves. So let's pray as we take our communion together. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you that you are a God who loves well, that you came down to be with us, that you gave up the ultimate comfort, the ultimate uh, tranquility and peace and, and love and joy to to to. Suffer with us, to love us, to be there with us. God, help us to connect with you as we remember Jesus, his body and his blood that was given for us. I pray even now as we uh, turn away from our sin and ourselves and turn to you, that we can also consider our, our place in your community, God, and, and embrace all of those that love you and worship you. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.